um, I would still be able to use the best tool I have, which is my listening. Um, yeah. And um, uh, and I think you know the times that I have worked in post, I've actually had some judgment calls and done some things that even the veteran. Uh, I mean, being there is the one movie that I actually got to do the production sound and follow it all the way through post. Right. Um, okay. Complete with um, a week or so into the um, post production, um, the, the re-recording process. Um, I'm only, I'm only orienting my words because I'm not sure how familiar you are with all the things that happen in post on a, on a future film. But I, I guess oh, yeah, yeah. But, um, but uh, Hal Ashby was the director of being there. Um, who already had tremendous faith in my abilities and my creativity because I had done the movies with him um, uh, in production. He wanted to fire the re-recording mixer, okay? Right. The guy that he wanted to fire was the chief re-recording mixer at Goldwyn Studios, um, ah. <laughs> who really was not doing a very good job because he, at the same time he was mixing Being There, he was mixing like three other movies, um, and he was really like, sort of burnt out. He was not giving our movie the attention. He was making a lot of mistakes. He was doing things. And Hal came to me one day, he says, I want to get rid of the guy. I said, Hal, you cannot get rid of the guy. And, um, but so Hal said to me, he says, well, can you be there every day um, and make sure that we're doing the good stuff? He says, you know, whether you put your hands on the board or not, he said, you know, that's, you know, he says, I realize that would be a touchy thing as well. So, what happened is I did sit down there and I was right there with uh, with the re-recording mixer and making suggestions as they were doing their, their thing. And at some point, the re-recording mixer realized, boy, this is my way out. He said, you know, if Hal's willing to have Jeff sitting here, being on the board and all, I can go off and I can, you know, do reels three through five on this other movie that I'm mixing at the same time I'm trying to mix this one. So he saw it as a way out. Uh, so he very graciously said, well, you know, Jeff, if you think you've got the hang of it and all, you know, and Hal seems to think, you know, what you're doing and all, he says, you know, he said, you know, I'll step away and you can, you can work on, you know, work on real four and see how you're doing. And <clears throat> so I ended up being able to mix quite a lot of it. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't do the whole movie. Um, but, uh, it was, um, I really learned a lot. I learned that I could use my knowledge of how things should sound with the picture and actually make things better. I mean, my production sound was already pretty good, but there's all sorts of things you can do to just make everything better, to smooth things out, to, to judiciously add in those backgrounds that just make things flow or add things to the scene. You know, I discovered a lot of the ways in which you can get rid of those things that are offending in the background. I remember making multiple passes um, where we were trying to get out some crickets, you know, something which now is pretty much done by sound editorial and it's done in Pro Tools, you know, or using Isotope or something like that. Uh, a lot of that cleanup was actually done during dialogue pre-dubs by the re-recording mixer, um, you know, by the dialogue mixer. They weren't done in the editing room. So um, I learned about, at that time, it was when the uh, Adobe product, the Cat 42, uh, was coming in, which was basically a selective frequency ducker, um, you know, sort of like the way Cedar stuff works. But this was way before 
cedar even existed and it was right on on the dub stage and you could dial in stuff and play with it and we found this amazing place where we got rid of a lot of crickets you know crickets that actually couldn't have been were not cut out by the sound editor. They were actually there, and they were riding on the dialogue, and it left the voices sounding really good. And I thought, this this is amazing. You know, I actually fixed it in the mix. You know, the thing that a lot of production people always say if things are all screwed up. You know, I say, well, they can fix it in the mix. You know, but now I knew you really could fix it in the mix. So it was uh, it was really a good learning experience for me. I um, I found and, it uh, really beneficial to because I've I've done some stuff where, well. It kind of got to the point where, like early on, I I was thinking I would get more into uh, kind of the sound design post post stage of things, but it it right. turned out that more often than not, the stuff that I was getting, I was solving other people's problems essentially, and that that wasn't too fun. But now I've oh. I've I've come kind of full circle, so I uh, mainly do like location sound, but then I've also I then step into kind of a just more of a I guess supervising sound editor in a way. Good. Of, of, a, your hand in it, you know? of a little of a little team and just being able to see all the way through and, and speak to a, a dialogue editor it, about it helps, about it helps it to close this 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 gap that we've been talking about exactly. uh, early on. Um, exactly. which also is one of the reasons why uh, I really love everything that CAS is doing because um, you know that is one of the main goals of the Cinema Audio Society is to make sure that all the people involved in you know, in 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 the, in the soundtrack, are, are, are talking to each other. You know, so you don't feel like uh, the person in you know the sound editor is is you know you you got to know that that you're a team, and the team doesn't end when you turn in your dailies. That's really that's when the collaboration begins, um, and it's not just getting all the frame rates right. It's not just giving them all the clean ISOs. It's not you know it's a whole lot of other things that really require everyone, even though I hate the phrase, being on the same page and understanding the the goals and also the value of, of the soundtrack for, for any project, you know, because um, to a certain extent, dialogue has been marginalized. I and mean, this is some of the stuff that we're going to talk about on Saturday, I hope. Um, it's been marginalized to the extent that it's been reduced to as long as I can hear the words, um, we're okay on the dialogue. Now we'll get into all the rest of the stuff that's exciting, the sound design, all these exotic backgrounds, you know, spaceship. the sound of a door, door slamming or the spaceship or, you know, um, what does it sound like when they're in that factory? Well, actually, I've got all of these sounds of African animals and I can slow them down and then repitch them and it'll sound like that machinery has a life of its own. I, I'm, not, I'm not faulting any of that stuff. Um, and I think it's important, but they're given the freedom and 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 even even the responsibility from a producer and a director and the the, the, the filmmakers um, to do all that stuff to the soundtrack because uh, we've got the dialogue, it's all working. They cleaned it up. The production dialogue was you know so so, but you know we've got these amazing tools. We've cleaned it up, but in cleaning all that up. Um, there's still something that's being lost, you know, the, 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 the sound, the real sound of that performance when it's, when it's properly recorded, but even the definition of properly recorded has changed. So you can't even use that phrase to apply to it. Um, there's something that's lost and it was something that I fell in love with early on. 
Um, uh, I always tell the story that like my goal, I would I would love to go to dailies and listen to just my tracks, raw, nothing done to them. You know, transferred to mag. That's the only thing that happened off the quarter inch to mag. Um, played back in the daily screening room. I would like to close my eyes and be able to know something about those characters and what's going on in that scene just by listening to their voices. Um, and I think you'd be hard pressed to close your eyes and listen to the raw dialogue on your basic episodic TV show and know anything more about those characters except that they're talking and I can hear what they're saying um, and hopefully understand the words. Um, but that sort of that sort of knowledge can be get you can get that from a silent movie where the dialogue is a title card and you can read it because it's lost it's lost so much of the dimension that hearing it can give you when it's properly recorded um, you know and I understand why it's recorded the way it is I understand why the production sound mixer has to do what he has to do but just in my heart I feel like something has been lost um, and it and it hurts me a little bit. 